What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Puck Pod. It feels so good to say that. It's been a long time coming. My name is Daniel Fritz. As always, joining me is Nick Musarino. And for the first time ever, a new guest, friend of the program, Alex Loudon. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Fritzy, what's up? Alex, how you doing? Good, Sorry about you? that little noise there. I'm in the middle of my fantasy draft. So for the first time ever, Alex Loudon's joining us. Alex, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, um, what you're looking forward to bring into the program. Hey, so thanks for having me. Um, I grew up with a dad who played hockey all of his life in the Boston area. So I kind of also grew up watching hockey because of him. I grew up in the Tampa area, so I'm a, originally a Lightning fan, but I live in Denver now, so I've been a huge fan of them recently. It also helps that they're pretty decent. But I'm hoping to bring some diversity to the podcast because I'm not a fan of the Tampa team anymore. Moose, um, it's been a while since we did this. It's been like five or six months. It feels good to be, to be back in action. It feels good to have NHL on the slate tomorrow. We're recording this Tuesday night. So um, how was your summer, man? We haven't really chatted like this in a long time. It's, it's good. Um, it, life has, I, I guess, taken a, a pretty significant turn since the last time we recorded a podcast. School went online. That got all tricky and, and whatnot. I got engaged, so that's definitely a positive thing. And um, just kind of trying to take advantage of working from home slash going to school online, travel, you know, things like that. And um, really just kind of ex- excited for uh, really a sense of normalcy to get back here with the NHL coming back, but not in a bubble. I'm, I'm really excited to like, you know, have road games and whatnot. So um, the normal, I guess, not too much has changed at the same time. A lot has changed. What about you? Yeah, it is. It has been a weird time. Um, similar to you, which is getting used to working from home, uh, moved to Denver since the last time we spoke. So trying to, I guess, acclimate myself to the winter time because, you know, in Florida, there's no seasons and uh, it's been snowing here the last few weeks. So that's interesting. But, you know, I, I'm, we last did this, I think in May, right? And we kept talking about it during the summer and during, as the pro- playoffs were approaching, we're like, should we get back to it? Should we do it? And, and school and stuff kept getting in the way. But now that there's a clean slate, a brand new schedule and um, actually some hockey to look forward to again, I'm excited to get back into it because, you know, with work and stuff and, and, and moving across the country, being stuck inside my house with COVID, I'm kind of cooped up and excited to, you know, get mad about hockey. And it's been so long since I could yell at people on Twitter about their wrong opinions and be able to yell at you and even Alex and, and people like that. So I'm excited to get back into it. So for the first episode, I guess, of the new season, we, um, we were thinking about doing some predictions. And last year we did um, – the, the lost episodes that kind of got lost with uh, Apple. It's a long story, but there's a lot of, you know, picks and prediction shows out there and uh, people can go find whatever opinions they want. So we decided to do a little bit differently this, this season. We're going to start off with uh, each of us brought a few things that we're looking forward to in the upcoming season. That could be teams or players or, or storylines or anything like that. Just stuff that we're kind of excited for or not excited for. So um, let's get into it. Uh, I'll, Open the floor to Alex. What do you? Uh, what's something you're looking forward to this season? The changing in the offside rule. I'm really excited that the players skate doesn't physically have to be on ice to call offsides now because so many plays get stopped, so many goals get stopped. That whether their skate was on the ice or not makes no difference to what the play happened. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. It's a really good point. It's something that 
is probably what was it like the Matt Duchesne rule, right? Like it is the most frustrating thing in hockey is when a goal, a good goal gets called back because like just a little millimeter of their skates touching the blue line. It's got to be the most frustrating thing in the world. So finally the NHL is making some positive moves in terms of the rule changes. Yeah. As, yeah, a, I mean, fan, oops, as a fan, I think I'm going to love this until like it's against my team. And I'm like, oh, where is that? Yeah. <laughs> it was offsides. Well, it's actually, it's not actually the Matt Duchesne rule. It's actually the Nikita Kucherov rule. Because in the 2015 playoffs, there was a goal that the, the Lightning scored against the Canadians in the playoffs in overtime. And, you know, because it was in Montreal, because it was in the Stanley Cup playoffs, that got the attention. And that's what really changed the rule. But, I mean, I, I wish they would just kind of rip the Band-Aid off and get rid of this video review thing anyways, because we're breaking it down to such fractions of seconds and, you know, frame by frame. Everything's pixelated trying to figure out whether you know a guy entering the zone 45 seconds before the the goal went in even though the puck changed possession yada 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 it's it really is obscene and in a league that is trying to generate more attention and get more fans to watch the game taking away scoring for something as frivolous as a skate being you know a quarter of inch off the ice it seems like it's counterproductive well that's the thing I mean I I think you look you have to get the call right right like if it's offsides and Nobody, the refs didn't catch it. That's one thing. But where it went, where the rule kind of went with the challenge, especially, it, it got a little bit too carried away. And I think that this is going to be a really positive thing uh, for the league. So mm-hmm. I'm going to jump in and, and hit you with my uh, one of one of my favorite things that I'm expecting this upcoming year. Um, given the divisions, given the layout, given how many times and how often in certain sets these teams are going to be playing each other. I think fights are going to skyrocket. And that is something like the physicality I'm so, so excited for. Yeah, to say I'd have to agree, especially with teams like Tampa playing Dallas a whole bunch of times and Florida a whole bunch of times. Florida and Tampa already had that rivalry going. And now coming off of the Stanley Cup, Dallas has something to prove. And now they're going to play Tampa a gazillion times. I think it's just going to create a whole lot of fights on the ice and aggression and it's going to be a fun fun to watch yeah the, the Panthers and Lightning were fighting in the preseason last year so imagine you know playing eight nine times during the season especially if the Panthers are actually you know in contention a little bit the games are, are worth a little bit more yeah I mean the the fighting is interesting I I'm cautious to say if it'll increase at all I think teams could potentially be you know a little bit more conservative with all aspects of tiring their players out because it's such a condensed schedule. So, you know, maybe I think it's, it's early to say, I hope that the fighting comes back because it is exciting to watch, but um, I, I'm, I guess I'm not sold on it yet. So. Well, let me, let, let me say this, like with the, I guess with the implementation of a taxi squad, you're going to have, what is it? Five or six guys looking to try to crack the lineup. So say you get in the lineup, you play Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, I mean, Fritzy, we know this. When you play a, game, a team three games in a row, by game, by halfway through game two, it's feisty. I mean, at that point, like, guys are going to get frustrated. Now you factor in a guy who's kind of on that bubble. Is he going to make the team? Like, how's he going to get himself on that roster to be a little bit more of a permanent stay? Those guys are going to find the matchups. I, I think it's – I'm just excited. I'm excited for that physical element, and I think it's really going to ramp up this year. 
Oh, for sure. And you're telling me that teams like Washington and Pittsburgh who are playing a bunch of times, they're not going to fight. I highly doubt that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, my number one thing that I'm looking forward to is team specific, actually. And it's the New York Rangers. So, you know, fans of the show and, and people who I've spoken to know that I'm a big fan of their rebuild process. You know, they, they did that open letter to their fans. Was it two summers ago? And they, they said, hey, we're going to suck for a while. We're going to trade off people that you love. And, uh, you know, there was that clip when they traded Matt Zuccarello of Hank Lundquist, like, tearing up in the locker room, which tugged on all of our heartstrings. So it's been a couple of years. They've drafted well. Obviously, they got the number one overall pick this past draft just out of sheer luck. They drafted Alexis Lafreniere, who is, you know, by all accounts, a generational talent like we've seen in the past. So, you know, you had guys like Capo Caco, now Lafreniere. They're two goaltenders, Georgiev and Shesterkin, who are very young. And, you know, they've kind of assembled a bit of a, a young core that is prepared to take the next step. And now that they're in, you know, a slightly easier division, they're going to be playing against teams like the Devils and the Sabres and, you know, even maybe if the Islanders step back, they could be poised to take a step forward. And if they do, they make the playoffs, they have a good run. You could potentially see the New York Rangers pop up on all these awards come wartime. They could be GM of the year for Jeff Gordon for everything he's done. Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year for Alexis Lafreniere. Jack Adams for the coach, David Quinn. I mean, the list goes on and on. So, I think they're the most volatile team. Could they be a top contender? Could they just fall back again for another rebuild year? That's something I'll be watching for. Well, here's my thing. I think the one thing that that roster is missing is that center depth that I love to talk about so much. Why not go out and get a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois? It almost is like the the cherry on top for for that roster. You put him in with a growing core with Capo Caco, Alexis Lafreniere. I think you're really clicking on all cylinders at that point. Like you mentioned with the divisions, I kind of think the Rangers are going to jump on the scene and just like traject up nonstop this year. It was a really good take. Not yeah. to pump your tires. Actually, I have a few of those. I just, I'm cautious. You mentioned the, the Dubois thing. I'm, I, I think they're very cautious about jumping into anything too quickly. I know he's young, so he would be a guy who could, you know, grow with the team. But I think they're kind of just going to stick with the guys that they have for now. Whether that's good or bad, I kind of think that's just where they're sitting. Yeah, that's fair. Alex, what's your uh, number two thing? The new divisional alignments. Like, I'm super excited to have an all-Canada division. (laughs) I feel like Canada has such a hard time. All their teams have such a hard time breaking out, establishing themselves. And now that they're all playing each other, they'll have a little bit easier of a time creating a hierarchy. Well, I'm interested to see, similarly with that Canadian division, how the coverage of both Canadian teams and of some smaller market U.S. teams kind of differentiates. So you, you think of a team like Arizona, right? Most of the notoriety they get is when they are visited by an Edmonton or a Toronto or a Montreal. That's when their players get coverage. Well, now that's not going to happen. So are some teams in the States going to get, you know, go under the radar for most of the season? And conversely, now, you know, Canadian media is going to have to actually be more accurate about the teams, the away teams are covering because they're seeing them eight times a year. You can't all just be pumping each other's tires. You know what I mean? So I'm interested to see how the coverage changes. The coverage is an interesting element. Almost like if you work for the athletic, what they do in college football is they kind of like regionalize things where this will be a Southeast writer. This will be a Northeast writer, whatever the case may be. It would almost be interesting to assign 
two guys to like each division kind of assign them teams and, and pump things out like that. Um, the Florida Panthers are certainly a team that uh, that Canadian division is going to absolutely dummy. I mean, you look at the Montreal's, the Toronto's, the people who consistently come down, um, that's no longer there and neither are their ticket sales. So um, time will tell Gary Bettman actually just came out and said a statement along the lines of the NHL is actually going to lose money this season, but the owners would rather see the players play yeah. than, yeah, I know. I'm not Obviously. sure I believe that. But but I, I saw the same thing. There I is thought a lot it of was, risk. I thought it was because they thought that the fans really needed it right now with the time like COVID. This is the release. So they're, they're being giving by, oh, we're going to take a loss, but this is for you guys, the fans. Yeah, you know what else the fans want is uh, Olympic hockey, and how'd that go? I mean, yeah, I just right. I, I haven't been given any evidence in my entire hockey watching career to believe that the National Hockey League actually cares about the fans more than revenue. It's, I just I don't believe it. But I'm I will be watching because I think this year more than ever there's more of a separation between the top teams in each division and the bottom teams. So you're going to potentially and specifically because we're talking about the Canadian division. I think that a team like Toronto and maybe even Edmonton could really benefit from playing on some defensively weak teams like Winnipeg and even Calgary. They're not great defensively. Vancouver, I don't think. And then Ottawa, who's just a dumpster fire. So, you know, you're going to see some teams who are kind of boosted more so than ever by the teams that they're playing against or not playing against. You know, Toronto's not going to have to play Tampa and Boston, whatever, five, six times a year. Instead, they'll get Ottawa and then and Winnipeg for – 16 games out of the year so this kind of leads me into the next thing that i'm super excited for if it's okay that we transition there and that's going to be how unpredictable the playoffs are going to be and it's exactly for that reason these teams are going to play only their division the entire year they're going to get to playoffs and it's going to be an absolute cluster i mean vegas is not going to have played um off the top of my head uh vancouver right and then how's it going to work? Do they just match up in the first round? You haven't seen them all year. You don't know what a, a Vancouver team is like with Nate Schmidt. You don't know what Quinn Hughes is like in this. So you have that four, like that race to four games to win that seven-game series. It's going to get really interesting. I, yeah, I, I like what you're saying. Kind of piggybacking on that. You know, this seems like a year where the NHL could just kind of go crazy, right? With any kind of ideas that people have brought up in the past. And one of them that keeps getting brought up is reseeding during the playoffs. So it's, you know, you get a more balanced, you know, you get more balanced playoff matchups as the, the playoffs go along. So, you know, you play whatever it is, one through eight in the first round. And then after that, you reseed the winning teams so that you actually get a one versus four again, right? So you don't have a Tampa and Boston playing in round two when it could be in round three. I, I mean, that's just one example, but I think this is a great opportunity for the league to just try something new. I mean, this is kind of going to be a chalk season. God knows how many games are going to be impacted by COVID. The season's already shortened anyways, which is going to further ruin the product, I think. Why not just go crazy? Try new stuff. Get rid of offsides. Who knows? Come on. Expand playoffs. I mean, expand playoffs. It opened up like that wild card argument, things like that. I mean, you already see it with Dallas. I think, what, eight players tested positive or something like that. So um, it's going to be a, a completely unpredictable season. I I, I just I'm also excited because I think it gives the NHL a lot of opportunity to play with the scheme of what they're going to try to produce for the next five years in terms of an on ice product. I mean, you see it with the helmet stickers. What are they going to let with marketing? So it's just interesting. I, I think a, a, there's going to be a lot of 
fluidity to this year. Where do you I'm stand kind of, on? Go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. I'm kind of excited about that because when it comes to the playoffs, like you brought up, sometimes the playoffs get boring to watch because you have the best teams playing against each other in round one and two, and then the rest of the playoffs, it's just kind of one-sided. And lopsided games aren't that fun to watch unless your team's one of the teams playing. So this will make it more fun to watch other teams who aren't your home team play throughout the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I think certainly for for the average fan or or the homer fan, that's that's one of the things you would you would look at is like kind of once your team gets bounced, you're okay. Well, what am I going to do now? I think you really hit the nail on the head in saying you have Boston, Tampa playing round two, and it's kind of like, well, these are the best two teams in the league. Why are they playing right now? And I understand the we want to create division rivalries, but I honestly I think that's kind of run its course. The rivalries are there. Like it's the NHL guys want to win playoff games. I don't think we need that at this point. Uh, it, it, it's gonna be, it's gonna be good. My uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm looking forward to, but I know a certain city may be kind of weary of is what are the Boston Bruins gonna look like, and similarly, what are the Tugarask haters gonna say? So, the Bruins lost uh, Tori Krug and Zdeno Chara in the offseason, two of their star defensemen. Granted, they're not going to be a bottom-tier team, but, you know, they're going to be a weaker defensive team. So I'm curious to see if they can still hang. I know that Marshan is out for a few months and Pasternak is going to miss the start of the season. So they're already kind of wounded. They're getting older in age. They're going to start to decline. But I think the Tukarask, as a, you know, as a tie-in, is still as good. And maybe he could be a bit of a savior for the Bruins this year, especially he's not the most light guy. And in addition, he, you know, missed the playoffs last season for personal choices. A lot of people were defending him, myself included. But um, I'm curious to see halfway through the season if the Bruins are holding on to dear life, similar to how the Jets were last year, how Connor Hollibuck basically dragged the uh, Winnipeg Jets through the half of the season. If Rask does that for a depleted Bruins team, what are these you know, Bostonians online going to say about Tuka Rask? Well, let, let me say one thing. If you – judged Tuca or hated on Tuca for leaving the bubble you're a well, we should we should tell we should at least mention the story we should mention the story so like a, a day or so before the playoffs started last year Tuca Rask voluntarily opted out of the playoffs for COVID reasons it was up to every player in the league could totally leave without recourse I think a couple of them did including Rask and the story was that he has like a three-year-old daughter at home who has pre-existing medical conditions so you know playing for this let's call it an arbitrary trophy in all reality compared to a potentially deadly disease. But there was these pictures that came out that were like old pictures of him playing golf or something like that. So he got dragged for no reason. I totally agree. I mean, it's, it's another reason for Bruins fans for some reason to despise Tugarask, even though he's been the best goalie for them in a long time. Look, the fact, the fact of the matter is Tuka went home because his daughter was in the hospital. Like that's what happened. You're an idiot if you were to ever sit here and say, well, I would have stayed in the bubble during that, yeah? That mentality is why your fat ass is sitting on the couch <laughs> judging Tuca on Twitter. It's a joke. Well, that's Secondly, at the Boston. Yeah, no, right? Well, <laughs> Alex, careful. You're going you're gonna to get some feedback on Twitter for that comment right there. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> My dad yeah. is from Boston. He is that person. He's the person who is mad at Rask because he wouldn't do it. That's not hockey tough. <laughs> That's fair. But anyways, I mean, here it's, it's hard to sit here and look at this Bruins team and, and say that they're going to 
take a step back. And I, I hate to say it because I, I hate the Bruins. I hate, I, I can't stand them. It is what it is, but they have the greatest center depth. I almost in the league, their winger situation looks pretty good. And then you really can't count that first line out that Marshan Bergeron Pasternak line. Like until Bergeron actually takes a step back in his career, you really can't count them out. The dude just had a C put on his Jersey. I don't foresee him taking a step back this year. Okay. Well, agree or disagree. I, I do look at the divisions. I think that they are going to really thrive because they're going to be playing against a Buffalo and a New Jersey and even Pittsburgh isn't what they used to be. So, you know, I think they're going to do pretty well in the, in the division. I'm just, it's, it's going to be uh, time for reckoning for some of these uh, Rask haters. I'm excited. I will never be more happy about <laughs> being wrong in my life. If the Bruins take that step back this year. Yeah. Um, so my last one, I'm curious to see, basically how teams will prepare for the Seattle expansion draft this summer, because we all know what happened with Vegas. You know, Moose knows firsthand what happens when Vegas comes in and swoops two of your best players for nothing. So I think a lot of teams, not just the Panthers, I mean, I pick on them a lot, but a lot of teams really got uh, fleeced by the Vegas gold Knights in their expansion draft. So how are teams going to prepare for the, the players that need to be made available this summer? I don't know the rules off the top of my head, but, Basically, I think it's eight or nine skaters and a goalie. But, you know, teams weren't prepared last time. And you may see some interesting trades and signings. I saw some uh, last summer where guys were signed with only a year and a half left, which was just enough time for Seattle to pick up expiring free agents, stuff like that. So there's going to be a lot of moves this summer for teams who are out of the playoffs early who are trying to prepare for that expansion draft. Well, it's, it's tough. First, first, you mentioned one thing wrong, and that was the Panthers got fleeced. They, they didn't only get fleeced. <laughs> they had the bag pulled over their head. They got robbed. And they, people forget that they protected Alex Petrovic, gave them Riley Smith, and then unprotected Jonathan Marcheseau. So half the reason Vegas goes to the Cup every year. Anyways, yeah, it, it's going to be another thing that's pretty fluid. I'm interested to see what GMs are going to do, how they're going to analyze these situations, and then – you got to look at payrolls this time around, right? The NHL has taken such a financial hit over the course of the last, what will be at this point in time, year and a half. Do they start to maybe, okay, well, we're going to unprotect player X because player X is making $7 million a year. It's a really good player. He's 35 goals, but at what point do you have to kind of cut the payroll? And it would bring a good opportunity, I think, for teams who have players that they're paying right now $7 million a year who are kind of getting towards the end of their contracts. They're not really worth it as much anymore, even though they might be, oh, they're n number one player, but how long are they going to be their number one player for? Like if they're only going to have one, maybe two years left of really good play, is that something that you sacrifice for? Because once you get towards the end of that contract, it's not going to be financially smarter uh alex you just described keith yandel so thank you very much <laughs> is he actually healthy scratch to start the season honestly man it's 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 super weird because uh q in the media the other day was talking about how he had like this ongoing bet with keith yandel for the world juniors and whatnot and just to keep this short because i know we're we're cut for time the next day puts him with group two and group two was like clearly the guys who are sticking around more so just for the scrimmage who are got who are going to go to the to the ahl so, look, it's, it's interesting to see. We have another three years at 6.35. Um, to speed this up very quickly on Chick, let's say we're talking about how great of a player Keith is. 
when you have an offensive defenseman, you know, you have to sacrifice the, the defensive aspects. Of, dude, it is bananas how bad of a hockey player that guy is at this point in his career. And quite frankly, beforehand. I do, I do agree with what they were at least trying to say about Keith Yandel because there are plenty of, of players, offensive and defensively, who, yeah, you, you take the go with the bat. Connor McDavid, for example, is not the best defensive forward in the league, but you take the go with the bat. However, Keith Yandel is not really as productive as people think he is, especially at five on five. He's more of a power play guy, and he, he's kind of just a, a setup man. So, well, the, here's they, the opposite with that: is Connor's really good at being a forward, not so much defensively. Keith isn't really good at being a defenseman, right? Or that much of a forward. Like yeah, the exactly. Guy, the guy plays with Barkov and Huberto on the power play. I, I could put say, up fifty. The the really kind of interesting piece of this whole saga is that Keith Yandel is currently operating on the, the longest uh, active Ironman streak. I think I think it's the longest current streak in the NHL because Cogliano's was cut short a couple years ago for suspension, but he's upwards of like 800 something consecutive games without uh, missing one. I don't know if that includes injury or not, but if he gets health bombed, I mean, that could be one of the worst ways to, to lose the streak. Um, I know when Cogliano, like I said, was, he had a, almost a thousand games a couple years ago, he got suspended and there was, there was a huge uproar from players and former players because, you know, suspension was iffy and, they wanted him to get off scot-free because of the streak, which is kind of ridiculous. But, you know, what's the sentiment going to be around the Panthers and around the league if, you know, a long streak is cut short? And, you know, this might be the best move that Coach Quindle can make for the Panthers. Like, hey, nobody is safe from being cut. Not even this guy who's got almost 1,000 games played in a row. So you guys better all get your act together. Well, I mean, specifically, too, the other thing is, is letting the rest of the league subconsciously know that – he might be on the table. And I don't know if that's been done yet. Um, the other interesting aspect that I've heard is because Keith has a no movement clause. Um, look, you're either going to be in the AHL or you can waive the clause. And that, that's all we have to talk about on that. <laughs> okay. I'm sure it'll come up many more times during the season if I know you. All right. So for my last thing, I'm interested to see if the abs are actually going to live up to the hype as being ranked the most likely to win the Stanley Cup right now because they're in the same division as Vegas. And I know Vegas is ranked a little bit below them, but I feel like Vegas is a hard team to beat so many times and that it'll be a, a real um, face-off for that spot. And then once you get into the playoffs, then you have no idea who you're playing, what they're playing like, and it might throw them for a loop. Yeah, I will say that um... – you know, I am so excited. I know that because I live here now, I'm supposed to be a fan, yada, yada. But I am so excited to watch that top line of McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog play against the Anaheim Ducks, the Arizona Coyotes, the LA Kings, and the Sharks, you know, eight, nine times a season. That's going to be a bloodbath every time. And uh, I can't wait. It's going to be some of the most fun hockey. As far as, you know, what, what you were saying about can they live up to the hype, I guess we'll wait and see. They are still a young team, so I think they're going to be patient, but they kind of have this mentality going into camp now, like, hey, why can't it be us? You know what I mean? They were close last year. Uh, they lost in double overtime game seven to the Stars when the Avalanche had both their goalies injured and Landis Cobb was injured, and I think a defenseman as well. So, you know, they really should have been 
quote unquote should, but um, should have been in the, the cup finals against the lightning. So they're poised to make a return. If everyone stays healthy, they're young, they're fast, they're fun to watch. But when's the last time a team who is the favorites going into the season actually pulled through a one? Uh, last season, the lightning. Having said that, the Lightning were the favorite for everybody for like seven straight seasons or something like that. You know, dating back to the 2015 Cup run. After that, everyone's like, hey, the Lightning are for real this year. And it was kind of like, if you say it enough times, eventually it's going to be right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I never picked them before last year. I'm riding that one <laughs> full through and through. <laughs> so what, I mean, one of, one of my, one of my, Inside the book, I don't want to say it's outside the realm, is I think this is the year VGK finally wins that cup. Let me tell you why, though. They have that tandem of Leonard and Flurry. I think that that is going to carry them into the cup. Not Look, the team's there. The centers are there. The wingers are there. The penalty kill's there. They just added the best defenseman in the league, arguably, with the exception of Victor Hedman, I'll give you. Um, I think that tandem between Leonard and Flurry and the way that they're going to make each other compete is really what's going to take them over the edge. And I hate to say that. And I hate to say that Pete DeBauer is going to win a cup, but I, I think it's VGK's year. But that's also the reason why I think Colorado might not do it. I think if they don't do it, it's because Vegas is. The, lightning, the lightning was one guy and suddenly they're not the favorite to win the cup. <laughs> So we're not even talking about them as far as the top three contenders or something like that. Uh, hey, I just I got to keep my puck puck streak alive. I'm one and zero on Stanley Cup picks. Okay, fine. I, I guess I'll. No, nah, I'm not gonna listen to you. Sorry. I, I just. <laughs> you're right about Vegas. I mean, I think on paper they're they may be the the best constructed team heading into the season. At least one of the the top two or three. So, you know, it's just it seems like they keep running into something. You know what I mean? And, and eventually, if if everyone in the party you think is crazy, maybe it's you who's crazy. You know, maybe maybe there's something just not right with the chemistry. There's just something blocking them. And, and I hate using such intangibles like that. I'm, I'm more of an actual on ice and numbers based fan. But you know, we've seen the story before, and they've run into whether it's the Joe Pavelski incident with the five minute major, whether it's the hand pass last year against the Sharks. They ran into their first year. They ran into the Capitals, who were kind of the team of destiny that season. So. I mean, maybe it happens this season. I will say it doesn't have to, you know what I mean? Because they signed Petrangelo to a long-term deal. They have the two goaltenders unless uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's agent starts getting pissy again and posting more photoshops of a knife going through his back. That could be fun to watch. But um, I think them and Colorado are going to provide, you know, because hopefully next season we go back to regular divisions and it's going to be Pacific division where the Kings are the best team and the Avs be the best in the central. And then they're just going to clash for a few years in a row. So this could be the beginning of a, a Nashville versus Winnipeg kind of two, three year run. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think that's one of like the cooler things about it, but at the same time, they remind me of the Washington. They remind me of that Tampa where they're just absolutely loaded. I don't think they necessarily have the prospects that those teams had at the time, like when they were two years ahead. Um, but I, I just think here, if you take this, we're going to talk about rule changes again, right? That five, like that five minute major on Pavelski <laughs> to me, like that was their year. And it's just so crazy that a call like that, which now it would be reversed, right? That was another rule change. Yeah. It would be reviewed. The, the refs would review it. 
which for sure in theory would have, I mean, I think that was the, the rule itself was based on that. So right. it's just really interesting to see. Um, but then again, I mean, you know, does, do they keep running into walls? We'll see. And one thing that kind of overarches all of our discussion is this is the most unpredictable season in NHL history, right? I mean, the, the Kings could, or the, sorry, the Golden Knights could be the best team heading into the playoffs. Suddenly everyone gets the Coco and, you know, suddenly they're down to 10 players, two connect, 10 actual NHL players, and they have scrubs for the rest of them. So that's what's, as a better, that's what makes me really frustrated and not want to touch any kind of futures or anything like that. But as a fan of hockey and of chaos, I am so excited for it because every week and every game is going to be something totally different. And which lineup is one team going to bring in one year? It's going to actually give analysts something to really talk about because they're not just going to spew the same mumbo jumbo every week in and out. They're going to have to actually analyze the young players who were filling in for the guys who got sick. It's inevitable, right? Teams are going to lose players for injuries in normal seasons and because of this coronavirus now. So it's, it's going to be one of the most volatile seasons in NHL history. And I am so excited for it. All right, let's wrap this up. Um, anybody have anything else they wanted to touch on before we go? All right, let's uh, real quick, cup predictions. Who do we think is going to win the cup this year? Nick, do you think Vegas? The Vegas Golden Knights will win the Stanley Cup this year. Alex, who do you like? I'm going to go Colorado. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to go off the board. I think this is the Maple Leafs year. I really think it's the Maple Leafs year. What? Yeah. That's a hot take. <laughs> it is a hot take. Just because are you trying to gain followers from Toronto right now? Is that, is that what we're me. doing? You caught me. Yeah. In oh. what world do they win? In the world where they dominate every Canadian team, because name another good Canadian team. Okay. Yeah, but I, I just I, I think Yeah, okay. So they just steamroll to the playoffs. And then they get demolished in the playoffs. Right, correct. Alex is 100% right there. <laughs> They're going to get swept they, they first round. To address, they've done nothing to address any physicality element on their team with the exception of Wayne Simmons, who's old. Like, I love the guy. I wish he got paid. It's horrible they didn't get paid, but he's old now. Yeah. Tom Wilson will have a field day with him. I don't even think they beat the Islanders at this point. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I told you I was going off the board. Alex took my Colorado pick, so I had to come up with one off the cuff. Oh, don't. No, no, no. Stick with it. <laughs> no, because you can't just make up the Maple Leafs. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, that'll do it for, I guess, the first episode of PuckPod. Um, I'm so excited for the first games to start tomorrow night. The Lightning are going to rip up on the Chicago Blackhawks. Can't wait to see that. So uh, thanks, you guys, for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Wait, wait, wait. Last pick of the draft. Last pick of the draft. Let's keep it on record. Who mm -hmm. should I take here? Carl Soderberg, Jonathan Druin, Gauchanyuk, trash. Paul Stastny? Huh? Stastny, Stastny. Go for Stastny. He's playing with Line A all season. Draft. All right, cool. Okay, thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace.